Hello, I'm Christian, and welcome to the Jamar International Podcast, where we talk about effective collaboration, influence, and leadership in an increasingly complex world. My interview partner is Dr. Dirk Schlimm. Dirk is an international leadership expert and the author of Influencing Powerful People. The purpose of this podcast is to share ideas and stimulate discussion, and it does not constitute professional advice of any kind. If such advice is needed, the services of a competent professional should be sought. The speakers, hosts, and Gemmar International Incorporated are not to be held responsible for any use, misuse, or reuse of the content. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone. Dirk, today we're talking about negotiation. And as always on this podcast, we want to know why our chosen topic matters. What kinds of things do people negotiate? Is this a topic mainly for diplomats and senior executives, or does this also matter for people working a regular job, so to speak? Yeah, uh, thanks, Christian. You're right. Uh, sometimes when we hear the word negotiation, we think about diplomats working through a big trade agreement like NAFTA or the USMCA, the United States, Mexico, Canada trade agreement, as it's uh, called now. And they discuss things like auto exports and steel tariffs or dairy quotas. Or we think about the big corporate deal like Elon Musk announces that he's buying Twitter. And, and that's obviously a big deal, you know, would require, will require, who knows, uh, a lot of negotiation. Uh, but you'd be surprised how much we negotiate every day. This could be at your work, you're asking for a raise, or you're negotiating the sales budget and the incentive for the coming years, or you're trying to settle a dispute. That could be a, a union grievance or an insurance claim. And so we really negotiate all the time, both inside and outside the companies we work with, or we even negotiate with family and friends. Right, Dirk. So negotiation is at the bedrock of so many relationships and things that we do. So the natural question, getting at the basics here, how do people conduct negotiations? How does it really work? Do I make an offer? Do I simply say no? Or do I compromise and meet people in the middle? What What's going on with negotiations? Yeah, Christian, that, that's really a great question because it, it, it shows that people are often focused on what we would call the negotiation tactics. Uh, but then we are risking missing the big uh, pictures. And there are a lot of cliches out there. So, so sometimes people see negotiation like sort of a, a ritual. It, you could call it the negotiation dance. I've heard that term. And you see this on television when two financial people or lawyers, they're making a deal. The first person says a million dollars and the other counters at 500 and then the first person goes back and says 900 and the other raises to 600 and eventually they meet at 750,000 and they shake hands and they're done and all of this in less than 10 minutes but but for the most part that's unrealistic and and it's really a bad negotiation strategy also because if I had just started at 200 and you had started at a million then then the middle would be now at 600 not 750 and that's $150,000 difference. So, so meeting in the middle doesn't really work all that well, does it? No, not at all, Dirk. When you put it like that, it really shatters a lot of per uh, perceptions about negotiation. Splitting the difference just doesn't work. It doesn't make sense a lot of the time. So what does? What does make sense? Yeah, the, the, the first thing you really need to do, Christian, is to determine what is it that you want out of a 
negotiation. And that may seem obvious, but, but it isn't. You, you, it's amazing how many people jump in without proper preparation. We, we, we really need to have a good idea what we want and what's absolutely important to us. Just think back to the NAFTA negotiation I mentioned earlier. If we're Canada, uh, we know we are negotiating with a very powerful partner, at least one of them, the United States, but, but also Mexico. And we know we will not get everything. In fact, the brutal reality is we will not get most things. So, so what do we focus on? Is it auto parts? Is it dairy products? Is it intellectual property? Is it dispute settlement mechanism? And, and uh, that's really something, something we, uh, we, we need to know. Where do we focus? What's important to us? And we need to put in that preparation. Thanks, Dirk. So there's a lot of moving parts in negotiation. There's the big question of priorities. But as you were speaking, I realized we're back to the, the big picture, the big deals. So if you could just speak to what's this like in everyday life or business? Yeah. So questions. think about, for example, like a, a software uh, su subscription. And uh, you would have to decide, is price the most important thing uh, for you? Or is it important to you to get out of it at the shortest possible time? You will not be able to get both. There will be some, some uh, trade-offs, but, but that's only uh, a, starting, a starting point. And unless we have an everyday transaction where we will never meet our counterpart again and buy just one thing from, from one person. We, we must realize that in many negotiations, it's not just about the terms of the deal, it's also about relationships. And, and so we need to understand how important those things are uh, to us. Right, Dirk, that again, making a lot of sense recently, I was shopping for a new cell phone plan and I realized that I would be willing to pay a bit more not to be locked into a plan for a long amount of time. So there's definitely a place where price isn't everything. But at the end there, you mentioned there's the relationship aspect. Where does that come in? Yeah, uh, think, Christian, for example, about negotiating uh, a job offer. And again, you're thinking about your goals and you may probably think about your salary first, but then there's also a number of uh, vacation plans and benefits. And so, so there are all of those things you want and you need to think about, but you also want to build a good relationship with your future employer. You're negotiating uh, with, a, with a person, with a company uh, that will employ you, uh, potentially you're negotiating with your, with your boss. And so, so you want a good outcome, you want a, a good employment offer, but you also want to start building a good uh, relationship. And that's where you see where those two goals can come, uh, can come together. Right, Dirk. And I'll, I'll ask the obvious question. I assume there's more to the picture, but just to confirm, are you saying or not saying that I should be perhaps cutting down my salary expectations so that my new employer likes me or thinks that uh, I'm a, a hard worker willing to work for a reasonable price? That, that sounds like a high price to pay in that negotiation. Yeah, Christian, that, that, that's, that's right. And, and so, so again, this is uh, where preparation comes, comes in. It's not so much that you necessarily cut back on your, your expectations, but it's a matter of how you present yourself and how you can show that your expectations are perfectly reasonable. So, so if you think about your, your salary expectations, it's good to have a salary survey for your uh, chosen field, or you have talked to a recruiter. Recruiters, they, they are part of, of, of hiring uh, 
uh, uh, negotiating a lot of lot of salaries. So you get some some feedback there, and and so it's really about doing your homework that it gives you some authority to say what you're looking for is a is a fair salary, what's based on your uh, responsibilities, and and so again you're having here an anchor point. You're, you're relating it to the uh, responsibilities, not for example what you might have been paid in your last job. And, and so you may remember from our discussion around executive uh, presence, how really uh, you get that confidence from being well prepared and knowing what you're talking about. And, and that really allows you, uh, allows you to present yourself in a firm, reasonable, professional manner and put, put your expectations forward. Dirk, that's really helpful. And I'm glad that our discussion on competence and confidence makes it into the world of negotiation as well. That that makes a lot of sense. And now I begin to see we have the discussion about outcome and relationships down. What's the, the next point about negotiations? Yeah, the, the, the next thing is to, to understand not only what you want, you also need to understand what they want. What does your counterpart want, but what is it that they really want? And what happens very often is that people say they want uh, one thing, but, but deep, down, uh, deep down, they want something else. And the, the experts uh, call this a difference between interests and positions. Okay, that sounds a bit complicated. Could you explain that a bit more? Okay, uh, let's go back to our example of the salary uh, negotiation or the job negotiation. And, and so you now put yourself, put yourself into the position of the hiring manager and the job candidates that you're interested in, you know, they have uh, good, good skills. They say that in their previous job, they had a company car and they want uh, a company car now. And, and so that's, that's their position. Okay, that sounds easy enough so far. Yeah, so, but now the problem arises that for some reason you can't do uh, what they want to do. So in other words here, uh, you cannot give them a car. And, and the reason maybe you cannot afford the extra cost or in your company, you have people in, in a similar position, they don't have a car. And if now the new person shows up with that shiny new, new company car, they, they want one also. And, 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 now, and now you have a bigger problem here. Right. So I see the problem there, but isn't this just a place where we could offer them more money instead of a car? Sure, uh, you could do that. But as I said, this is where this position versus interest uh, comes in. You want to find out why exactly are they asking for the car? Sure, it does represent an economic value. That's that's clear. But but maybe they need a car because they live far away without public transit and they, they really need a car to get to work or uh, they like a car because it shows them and others in the company that they are an important person. And, and you, you may think that's that's crazy, but but not too long ago, senior managers not only had cars, but they sometimes had a parking spot uh, to go to go with it. So, so, so you need to understand the underlying interest so that other options may, may open up. So for example, if the person can work from home for some time or all of the time, they may not need the car. If they want to know that they have an important position in your company, you can explain that in our companies, this importance is acknowledged in other ways. Maybe they can qualify for a share incentive program or they get other uh, educational opportunities like even something like an executive MBA or, or something like this, or they get to speak at a high profile industry conference. So depending on their interest, you are developing different solution to the car problem. 
Sure. That's very interesting. And through that process, we're also learning about the person, maybe someone who is really determined to get that car as a status symbol, they might not be a good fit for the company. Yes, Christian, exactly. And that's why the negotiation process is so important. It tells me something about the person or the company that I'm negotiating with. And, and sometimes it may give me pause or I respect them even more because they're really conducting themselves in a professional uh, professional way. And, and so that's, that's very important, not just when you're dealing in a, in, a, in a job salary negotiation, that's also very important when you're dealing with a customer or a very important business partner. You want to be sure you come across as, as professional and, and, and really start building that relationship in the process. Dirk, I can see that. And as you were speaking, it was bringing to mind not so much a, a business deal, but speaking with my supervisors and negotiating what exactly I would cover for my thesis, where I came in with my expectations, my position and interest, and they were able to offer certain things. And we had to negotiate what my interests were, what I wanted to write about, and what they as supervisors would be able to provide. And we both had to draw some lines. And I could say that was a situation where I think we came out respecting each other more. We were able to find a compromise and definitely build a stronger relationship through that negotiation of what I would write for a thesis. So I'm seeing how what you're discussing applies to a broad set of situations and day-to-day -day negotiations. But just from what you were speaking, I, I think that there's a bigger point here. Yeah, so then Christian, you're absolutely right. So if, you, if I put myself in your position, if, if you're a PhD uh, student, the relationship with the academic supervisors is obviously very, very important, but you also want to have your own interest. You're spending years on writing that thesis, so it has to be something that, that you're really uh, interested in. And, and so the bigger point here is that you want to make things work for them and yourself as much as possible. That is really the, the goal and the best outcome of a good negotiation. And again, that starts with understanding their interests and then finding ways to meet these interests in the best possible way. And that obviously can take uh, some work. In, in, in your case, it took some work and some back and forth with your supervisors to, to land on that right thesis. And, and sometimes it takes teamwork because you may have to bring in other experts in, in, uh, in the field. And we, we talked about this in the teamwork episode. So if I'm negotiating the, again, the sale of a software solution or something that's technically more complicated, I may have to bring in technical expert to help me figure out those, those options. But the point here is we're solving this problem them, uh, together and that is really the hard work and that's the smart work of uh, negotiation. Derek, I'm, I'm loving this. This is very helpful and I think that we're seeing how all these things are integrated with our discussion on executive presence and teamwork and how that even plays now into negotiation. But we got to keep moving here. There's a bit more to unpack. What's your, your third point on negotiation? Yeah, so the thir third point is that quite often we are in a situation where the negotiation partners have unequal bargaining power, that, that, and that can be a big problem. Right, so like a, maybe a small business selling a product or a service to a very large corporation. Exactly. And Christian, in these instances, they will put a lot of pressure on you. They will ask for price reductions. They will say things like, I need your answer by Friday, or our policy is that we never do this. Or they will tell you that there are huge opportunities after this, but you have to cut your price now. 
right? So that that sounds like a lot of pressure if you were to think about what that looks like or how that might feel for the perhaps the small business in that situation. And I believe just thinking this is what we would call hard bargaining, right? Yeah, and, and that's exactly uh, what it is. And, and probably you will have to accommodate them uh, quite a bit. But but here is my, my, my third big, big point. You, you don't want to make a deal that's in the end is a bad deal for you. There is, there is no point selling something if you cannot cover your costs or you cannot cover your uh, employees. And, and so it's far better to find other customers uh, than work with customers whom you really cannot afford. Interesting, Dirk. And I'm, I'm not so sure how this all plays out. Wouldn't it be great to perhaps land this big company as a customer? And wouldn't it be worth it to make a bit of a concession in the short term to get that big business later on and then make all the money that you're hoping to make? Yeah. And, and sadly, Christian, that's exactly what people think, but it doesn't always work that way, right? Especially if you're, say, in a competitive bid process, people will develop what's known as deal fever. They have already so much invested and they are asking just for, for, for one more cut. And, and that's where people can get quite, quite irrational. And, and again, a large company may dangle all of these future opportunity uh, in front of you, but we really have no way of knowing whether it will come through and, and rarely you will get, uh, get any kind of uh, uh, guarantee. Right, Dirk. And I think that's where we're remembering in negotiations, people will still be people and that might lead to difficult positions and places where we need to be careful. But the question is now, knowing this and hearing about how people might get irrational or a bit cutthroat, what do we do? Yeah, you have to establish your bottom line ahead of time and let the deal go when it gets bad. That's really what it's about. And, and you have to realize that sometimes walking away is the best strategy. But isn't that so hard to do? Uh, yes, it is. And, and so, of course, you do want to do what it takes to uh, close the deal. Again, you may make some uh, concessions, but at some point, you also want to be assertive. You have to take some pride in the product or service that you sell and politely say, I understand where you're coming from. You are a big company. Your business would be very exciting for us. Uh, and I understand that you're used to getting a big discount and I can certainly offer some of that, but in order to run a successful business and offer a quality product, I need to be paid properly. And, and dealing with a healthy company should also be in your interest. So, so don't be afraid to be assertive and put forward a legitimate uh, uh, position or interest, really. Your interest is to have a, a healthy company that can develop long into the future. Right. It sounds like we have to really set some boundaries for ourselves and really respect ourselves as we approach these negotiations. And again, thinking in my academic world, interviewing for positions, there was an opportunity to do some uh, teaching, a bit of a, a role at a college. And the difficult thing for me was it was a position I would have loved to take teaching stuff. I would have loved to be teaching and a, a great faculty to work, be working alongside. But they just weren't able to offer me what I needed in terms of finances. And I had to walk away from that. It was painful. I wanted that good relationship and in the interview, but it just wouldn't be worth it for me. So I had to make that hard call and walk away. Yeah. And, and Christian, that's exactly the point. When we're dealing with a hard bargaining partner or somebody who strikes us as a hard uh, bargaining partner, we, we still want to be 
constructive. There is really no point in getting mad. Being courteous and professional uh, is always good, but it doesn't mean that we can't be confident also. And, and often we will have to keep our ego and emotions in check and put up with some stuff. Uh, but we, we, we also uh, want to uh, really think about our, our interest and not be pushed into the wrong outcome. Right, Dirk, that sounds like really good advice. And I think that we've learned a lot about negotiations from this conversation where we now know that it is a broad field that happens in so many different places, not just the, the big deals like Elon Musk buying Twitter. We now have to think about interests and positions. And then, of course, we have to think about what our needs are and being willing to walk away and so much more. I hope that people will hear this and think, yeah, the world of negotiation, it isn't just for the senior executives, but it's something we do everywhere and anywhere, and we need to think critically about it. So, Dirk, with all that said, any last words from you? Yeah, so some time ago, I took a, a really excellent, uh, excellent negotiation course. It was three days, we talking here about it uh, in, in 15 or 20 minutes. And so the instructor really articulated well what we're talking about here. And it helped me think back to some negotiations I had done in the past. And I understood more clearly uh, the dynamics that were uh, at work. And it also helped me to be more disciplined in my approach, proper preparation asking questions, understanding why they want what they want, stay, stating my interests more confidently and having a plan B lined up ahead of time. And, and this really made me more effective in negotiation with powerful uh, counterparts. Uh, and, and the last thing the instructor told us was this, he had this line, which, which I haven't forgotten, so I will tell you, I will tell you here. He said, don't get mad, don't get even, get what you want. And this was a powerful reminder that negotiating can be very emotional and we can get upset with people who treat us poorly or who play mind games. And uh, to get what we want, we need to keep a cool head. We need to focus on the goal and we need to keep doing what's most effective. And, and that was really a big learning, big learning for me. Dirk, I love that. Don't get mad. Don't get even get what you want. That sounds like a good word to live by in negotiations. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have now together. Uh, please check out Dirk's blog if you're listening to this for more information about negotiation. And of course, tune in next time when we'll have another topic, another conversation that will hopefully help you wherever you are. Take care.